This week, Christian Schaff from Uncharted Supply Company joins us to talk weather preparedness and weather safety. Plus, we have a few RV lifestyle questions and a tip on how to check the level of your propane tanks. This is the RV Miles Podcast. RV Miles is sponsored by L.L. Bean, dedicated to helping you experience all the benefits of time outside and stay more comfortable while you're out there. From soft and breathable activewear designed to do it all to just right layers perfect for changing weather to sun smart clothing that blocks the sun's harmful rays. Every L.L. Bean product is made with comfortable time outside in mind. Visit LLBean.com to shop now. L.L. Bean, be an outsider. Welcome to episode 203 of the RV Miles podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our three boys, have been crisscrossing North America since 2016 on one epic road trip. Here at RV Miles, we talk about everything from lifestyle and destinations to industry news, our national parks, and so much more. We had a great 4th of July Independence Day weekend here in the Kansas City area and, uh, we're really enjoying our time with family and getting ready to head back to Illinois very soon <laughs> and do a lot of work to prepare to pick up our new fifth wheel, which is now happening early August. Yes, we call this the Great American 2021 Suitcase Tour because we are <laughs> currently living out of suitcases and living in the homes of family relatives. Family relatives, that's like the same thing. <laughs> we are. We haven't sold our our old trailer yet and we are sort of in the process of, of doing that uh, but it actually brought up a question that somebody else had about mm -hmm. selling their trailer that they mentioned uh in the rv miles facebook group we are selling our rv so we can go bigger and just listed it on rv trader a guy has responded that he'll pay asking wire the money he'll fly in and can sign the papers at the airport so many red flags in my mind have any of y'all ever bought or sold via RV Trader, what red flags should we be looking for? If you've sold, what sort of payment should you accept? I just feel like this isn't legit, but I don't know how to tell. It's tough right now because people are really desperate and people will do things like fly to get the, you know, the, you're, imagine you're searching for a specific model. It's really hard to find a specific model or a specific floor plan right now. So you're searching on RV Trader and all of a sudden it pops up and you think, oh my gosh, I have to get that right now. I will I will do anything. I'll wire you the money. I will, I will fly send there you my firstborn, like whatever. <laughs> so there is a possibility that it could be legit, but this, there's definitely a lot more work to be done here. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this was just sort of a way we thought would be good to talk about RV selling scams in general because a lot of that happens and and wiring money is one of the big red flags um so when somebody offers either if they're selling or if they're buying when they're offering to do it through wiring money sometimes that can lead to them getting you involved in one of these big scams where you end up sending them back more money than they paid and stuff and it, and it gets very wild i highly suggest you go on YouTube and watch some of the scam catcher YouTube channels because there are folks that that take like scam phone calls and they 
just eviscerate these people. But you get really, you really understand how people can fall for it sometimes. Um, it, generally, if you're buying an RV and if it's too good to be true, that's the biggest red flag. The price is, is too cheap. The seller wants to sell it through eBay Auto, saying that that protects you and, and them, uh, which is not true at all. You're only protected through eBay Auto if you buy it through eBay itself, through an actual eBay auction uh, or, you know, a buy it now on eBay. A lot of the scams are, are stuff that say I'm selling it because my husband died and we can't mm. use it before. And they they give a sob story uh, uh, about how it's in such great shape. You know, the the old like it was it was owned by a by an 80 year old yeah. woman who never drove it and it always stuck in her garage used car salesman thing. Uh, it's similar to that, but it, it, it always ends up with like put a deposit down. Uh, we want and, But even somebody sending you money through wiring or whatever can be a scam. So be very careful about that. So we highly suggest if you are making a RV purchase or if you are selling your RV to do that transaction at a bank, to do it at your bank where the where the loan is, if you have a loan is the best thing. But if you don't have a loan, you still just, you can go to your bank and have them help facilitate that, that transaction. And they can deal with the cashier's checks, the wire transfers, they can verify a check, they can do all that sort of stuff right there. And, and that makes the most sense. There are even some dealerships that will facilitate a transaction like this, and then they can deal with registration and stuff like that as well. And I think too, that at the end of the day, just trusting your own gut and instinct, and if something just feels off, don't go forward with it. That just means that there's something better waiting down the line and it might take another week or two, but just stick with it. And I think the same, it's really important when you say it's too good to be true. I think especially right now, as we've all talked about how the price of RVs has increased, that if you find someone that's just bottom of the barrel selling their RV, that's probably a red flag because I think a lot of people who are selling their RV right now, while they're not looking to make a ton of money, they are motivated to sell because the market is so hot right now. Yeah. So I would never trust anything that is so grossly lower than anything else that you could compare it with. Or, or if you're selling your RV and somebody's paying you a lot more, you know. Yeah, uh, it, you, that's a good if, point. If that guy shows up at the airport, right, if he if he takes a, a flight to get to you, that's probably legit, right? Um, yeah, I mean, take the flight, meet him at the airport, or encourage him to meet you then at your bank, and then deal with the finances there. There's no reason why that can't happen. Yeah, so just uh, just be just be very cautious and very aware. But yeah, a lot of people are selling right now, and a lot of people are getting desperate and and buying right now. And desperation sometimes leads to making some yeah. big mistakes. And I think you're gonna kind of flesh this out a little bit more. You've been talking about wanting to do yeah, a, a video a scam on video. Yeah, yeah, a video yeah. on this subject. And I think maybe right now this might be a great time for that because of what's happening with the market and because there are so many. RVs or so many people looking to buy an RV and there's just not enough for everybody right now. Here's another question from the group. Who does one hire to go on top of their motor coach roof to clean it and do any needed repairs? I feel we're not physically fit enough to do it anymore. Perfectly good with groundwork and other maintenance issues. Just not feeling safe for either of us climbing the ladder to the roof with balance issues. 
you absolutely should not go on your RV roof if you do not feel physically capable of doing so. You could take it to a dealership every six months or so to have your roof inspected and and resealed and, and repaired and cleaned and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I would say uh, a mobile RV technician, this is sort of the perfect job mm -hmm. for that type of person. Um, so I, w I would definitely go that route, but avoid the busy season. You're going to have a hard time getting them or you're going to be paying more if you're doing it, say, right now. Uh, you know, uh, most RV technicians are busy right now dealing with failed air conditioners. Yeah. <laughs> That's what yes. they're spending the majority of their time on. So if you, but if you get your roof inspected, say, you know, just before the summer season and after the, the summer season in the spring and fall, I think that would probably be the best way to do it. But you can absolutely hire a, a, a technician to do that. And if, if they don't want to clean your roof, one option then is also to get uh, one of those companies that come out and clean your RV mm -hmm. and you can, you can pay, uh, it's like a car wash company. They come and they are their little truck and they will do it at a campground and they will wash down your whole RV, including your roof. We have a story about those individuals <laughs> coming up in our fresh tank black tank. We do. We do. So <laughs> sometimes they might screw up a bit. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, if they do come out, maybe just keep a little eye on how they're using the water. We have a great interview today for y'all. I was inspired by a listener who reached out saying that they lost their son uh, years ago in a, a tragic weather accident, a lightning strike, that we should talk more about weather safety uh, as, you know, us here at RV Miles, but as a community of RVers uh, on the whole. So, we really wanted to seek out a, a weather safety expert to talk a little bit more about some of the things we should be thinking about for preparedness when we're out on the road. So we brought on the show today Christian Shaw from Uncharted Supply Company, and they make uh, great emergency preparedness kits. But he's not here to sell us anything. He's here to really talk about some of the things that we can do to prepare our mind mainly. That's the that's the main piece of it that I gathered from this interview for any sort of weather incidents that might be happening. So we'll have that interview in just a minute. FMCA is the world's largest nonprofit RV club, and they host two international conventions every year. The next convention, The Spirit of Wyoming, is held July 7th through the 10th in Gillette, Wyoming. It's FMCA's 103rd convention, and you can still join. You can camp on the grounds for the entire event or you can experience the fun for a single day. Everyone is welcome. You do not need to be an FMCA member or even an RV owner to attend. Find products and services you need for your RVing lifestyle. Tour the latest RVs, one of which might be your next, and soak up RVing knowledge at more than 100 educational seminars. Enjoy daytime and evening entertainment, including big name music like Three Dog Night. FMCA events are also great for networking and meeting other RVers. You can get $10 off your FMCA membership by heading over to rvmiles.com slash FMCA. RV season is here, but the change of seasons also brings rain, mud, pollen, and other elements that you have to waste your time cleaning, or worse, that can end up damaging your vehicle. Whether you own a motorhome, a travel trailer, or a truck camper, EmpireCovers.com is here to help you protect all your vehicles against Mother Nature. 
EmpireCovers.com offers high-quality, affordable covers that are engineered to protect. Every cover comes with a free warranty to guarantee that it remains durable over time. If you're not in need of a full cover, Empire has just launched a line of RV rooftop covers that keep the roof of your RV clean and protect it from UV rays. RV Miles listeners can receive free shipping plus an extra 15% off their entire order. Visit EmpireCovers.com slash RV Miles or use the promo code RV Miles at checkout. My guest today is Christian Schaff, the founder and CEO of Uncharted Supply Company, which makes safety and preparedness products for all kinds of adventures, including RVing, camping, and hiking. Schaff is an expert in preparing for safe camping, hiking, and outdoor adventures, especially in storm. And he's going to share with us some tips on outdoor weather safety today. Christian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Let's start with talking about how you came about founding Uncharted Supply Company because that's sort of an interesting story. Yeah, Jason. Um, so, so my background, um, you know, I grew up on a farm in Wisconsin and we had cows, crops, we had a wood shavings business, we had a biodiesel plant. Um, and man, you know, my grandpa used to say if there were 20 people working on the farm, my dad would find 21 jobs. So we were always out there, always doing something from a very, very young age. Um, and you know, you kind of learn in those environments, how to, how to prepare for the day. If you're going to be in a tractor all day, if it's going to be cold or super hot or you just plan. Right. So I, I learned growing up kind of the basics of, of taking care of yourself and how to fix machinery and just kind of how to think around solutions, like, or think around problems, like a lot of farmers do. Um, after college, I played in a band for a while, which actually took me to Iraq 39 times, ended up doing a lot of, um, entertainment for the troops during operation Iraqi freedom. So our band was playing, we, we played 150 shows and we were named armed forces entertainers of the year, but we also figured out how to get bands and entertainment into over 300 bases that weren't getting entertainment by kind of hot routing all the systems and making them fit into black Hawk helicopters, which allowed us to hit all the tiny bases with that inherently came a lot of danger, you know, Ford operating bases, joint security stations were small, less security. We're flying around a lot. We would, you know, plan to be gone for four hours and be gone for two days and there'd be no supplies there. So once again, I found myself in, in positions over and over and over where I didn't know what the day was going to bring. It was very volatile. And usually I was responsible for not only myself, but, you know, whether it was my band or I was guiding around Hoobastank or the Pussycat Dolls or whoever, I had to make sure they were taken care of as well. So this is just kind of how I lived. When I was home, I was hunting or climbing or skiing or, you know, I just, I love the outdoors. Um, and then I took a job in California, in Southern California. And, you know, I was about a year and a half into being there. Um, you know, I thought about earthquakes. I, being from the Midwest, I was like, man, you know, what do you do out here? There's so many people. And um, one day I was driving to Colorado to go skiing in my truck had everything I needed. It snowed two inches and traffic stopped for about seven hours. And I missed, I missed a powder day in steamboat because the people all around me did not know how to navigate two inches of snow. And it just, you know, you sit there for seven hours frustrated thinking about this. And it's like, this is two inches of snow. What, you know, if, if there was an earthquake or there was a huge slide or like, how are these people going to navigate that? You know, what, what's happening to our society? So it really just stuck with me. Um, I decided to kind of lean in on this. I talked to a lot of my friends who were experts. You know, I've got friends that <clears throat> guide on Mount Everest and K2. I've got friends that are, you know, medical experts and, and, and military personnel. And you know, I went to all the people I knew that 
did this for a living and, and, and picked their brain and kind of tried to reverse engineer from a time of emergency, um, you know, a person that may not have the same skill set. How do you, how do you help them and how do you guide them through? And that's, that's kind of what's informed our products from day one on. So, you know, we always say, uh, we, we build products designed to make you the hero of your own story. My belief is, um, you know, a lot of times there's AAA or there's Amazon Prime or whatever, and you can push a button and things show up. But when things kind of break and don't show up, can you take care of yourself? Because at the end of the day, it's really up to you to take care of yourself and your family. And we want to empower people to make that easier. So that's what we do. Awesome. Well, let's talk what happens when you encounter something unexpected. Let's start with driving, since that's sort of what 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 uh, prompted you to to found the company in the end. Uh, when you when you do run into that freak snowstorm, when you do run into uh, that that lightning storm that you weren't expecting, what are some of the the things that you should be thinking about as a driver, as a as an as an RVer? You may already have things like water and stuff on on board, but what what should be you be thinking about in those situations? Yeah, you know, I, um, to give an analogy, I, <laughs> I've had a lot of people reach out to ask me to be on like survival TV shows and they actually find out that I'm very boring and I, I've never been on, I haven't been on a show yet. Um, I had this one lady, a casting director said, you know, we have this, I just got off the phone with this woman who is a botanist and she can tell you which plants to eat and which ones not to eat. She's like, what, what's your superpower? And I'm like, I bring a Snickers bar, you know, like I, I think at the end of the day, I know my business is about preparedness. But man, when something happens, it's too late to start preparing. So it doesn't matter if you're, if you're going backcountry skiing or if you're RVing across a country or you're going into war. I mean, thinking about what you're going into, understanding things like weather and distance and uh, the resources that may be available along that path, whether it's gas stations or huts or whatever, and having a grasp on that and having a plan is just is so critical when I, you know, when I go into the Arctic circle and do these two week kind of unsupported hunts where the plane just drops me off for months leading up to that, I'm on a treadmill in the morning watching hunting videos of those environments so I can understand what it's actually going to be like. Like, what do the rocks look like? Like, are there trails out there? The game trails, what do they look like? So I don't think it matters what you do. I think you should really think about where you're going. Our society is, is so comfortable and, and so well built out. There are gas stations perfectly spaced out and there's cell service just about everywhere. Um, and so it allows us to let our guard down and 99% of the time, no problem, right? It's those, it's those what ifs or, or, you know, when there's a big storm and maybe the power goes out so you can't get gas or, or whatever it is that you have to be prepared for. So, you know, there's not a one size fits all answer for that. It, it really comes down to understanding what you're going into and just making sure, okay, well, if, if this thing that I think is going to be here is not, what do I do? Um, and I'm not saying you have to live in fear. I'm not saying you have to always be planning like you're going into some big mission. I mean, if you're driving around town or you're going between two big cities, you're probably fine, right? There's a lot of people and there's a lot of resources, but you know, RVers, overlanders, people like that, that like to get out and maybe get off the grid a little bit and go somewhere and kind of be self-contained. It's just really important to think through every situation. So sometimes um, we like to punch in the GPS and just have it take us where we're going. But like looking at the route, knowing maybe where some rest stops are, maybe where you might plan to stop, especially if you know that there's some inclement weather coming along that route, 
might be beneficial so that you you're just actively thinking about that instead of saying i'm just going to know where the gps takes absolutely um you know i i like i said i, I hunt a lot and um I've got a Garmin watch that I wear and every time I leave my truck, I hit start on the tracking because even if I'm like, I know exactly where I'm going to go. I've had times where, you know, growing up, I was riding snowmobiles and a storm came in and a trail I've ridden a thousand times. I could not figure out which way I was going. So if you have those resources and you can just drop a breadcrumb trail, it's going to take you back to the start or it's going to guide you somewhere, you know, just, just having those kind of fail, fail safe kind of backups, I think is, is super critical. I don't know. It gives you peace of mind too. You know, it doesn't, it, it allows you not to worry the whole time because you know where you are and you know where you're going and you know how far it is. Let's start, let's talk about some individual situations because I think sure. one of the biggest things for a lot of travelers is that they end up going to areas that they're not used to. Like you were talking about being from the Midwest and heading to California and earthquakes are a new thing, right? A lot of people mm-hmm doing the opposite are trying to understand what to do with the tornado. They have no idea how to deal with that. And that that's some real scary stuff. So let's start with tornadoes. If, if you're in an area where there's a tornado warning or watch, what are some of the things that you should be thinking about doing? Well, I always say one, again, prepare, like, like listen to the radio, listen to what people are advising of you because like me, when I was stuck in that traffic, even if you're like, I got this, I've been here before. You don't know what other people are out there and what they might do that might compromise your ability to perform at the level you want. So, you know, most times when I see people really get stuck, um, they went a little too far. They, they didn't back out when they could have, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, man, I don't want to sit here for a half hour. We're two hours away and let's push through. Right. But man, pushing through and trying to, trying to not lose that half hour might turn into, a whole different life for you on the other end. You just never know what's going to happen. You know, tornadoes, we, we grew up those. I drove my first vehicle, which was a Jeep Cherokee, uh, through a tornado on the road my house is on one day. I was at my grandma's house and the sky turned seafoam green. And my mom called the, the landline of my grandma's and said, you got to get home. And I was looking at one window, it was blue sky. And I was, I went outside to look and it, I'd never seen anything like it. And I raced home and, um, you know, those winds were pushing my Jeep left and right on the road. I had, I had trees falling around me. I had to drive over this one pine tree. Um, I wouldn't recommend that, you know, where I am now. I was 17 years old and I just had my foot on the gas. But, um, you know, tornadoes, as, as an example, are very unpredictable. You know, they might be trending one way and they might just turn and come your way. So the best thing you can do is keep your distance and just, just get away from it. Um, if you find yourself in a situation you know, there's a lot of things where a car is awesome, a hailstorm, even lightning, you know, lightning will hit the metal and work its way around into the tires. There's, there's some insulation. So your car gets struck by lightning. Most times you're going to be fine. So it's a really nice, safe location, but tornadoes, it's actually not because tornadoes produce tons of wind. And as we all know, we've all seen a sail operator, a kite or whatever, any big flat surface that wind's going to grab eventually your, your downward force is going to lose to that sideways force of a tornado and you're going to end up going somewhere you don't want to go. So I think the natural thing is to stay in your car, get under a bridge. It's actually counterintuitive. Under bridges and tunnels is where wind can kind of funnel in and actually increase in speed, which makes it more dangerous. Um, you know, parking alongside a road, man, that wind can catch the side of a car and flip it over or roll it or send it flying. Um, you know, the advice you'll always see from people is, is actually get out of your car and lay down in a, in a ditch. Um, I did triathlons for a lot, a long time and, and, you know, just playing with how the wind hits you and the, the speed increase with the same power, uh, you know, what, 
wattages coming out of your legs when you're going into a headwind, um, you know, hiding from the wind is really critical. So if you can get down, that wind's going over you in a ditch, that's actually the safest place you can be. If you're in a campground or something like that, maybe starting to figure out where those tornado shelter type buildings are, whether the, the solid buildings that, that you can get away from windows and that sort of stuff. Totally. Most of those places have some big brick, you know, bathroom or shelter or something. I mean, I mean, most, most do, if they're not there, you know, get in a ditch, get in a hole, get somewhere low where the wind's going to blow over the top of you. But yeah, if you can get in a big structure, if you can even get down into the ground a little bit, that's, that's the place you want to be. And, um, you know, usually you don't have to be there very long. It's just, it's just for those few key moments to make a big difference. You talked about lightning for, for a minute there. So what if you're out on the trail, you're away from your vehicle and a storm's rolling in, uh, there's lots of lightning. What are some of the ways you can protect yourself from lightning? You know, lightning likes to hit the tallest object, right? And it likes to touch metal. Um, I've, I've been out on trails where a storm whips up and lightning is struck and you, you feel it in your teeth. You know, there's just so much electricity in the air. Honestly, I, when I'm in situations like that, I just lose elevation as fast as I can. I get down. I get to where there are other things around me that are taller. Um, when you do that, odds are it's going to pick one of those things because it's an easier connection for lightning. Because lightning actually comes from the ground and from the sky, right? So if those things are reaching up higher than you, that's great. The last thing you want to do is be on the top of a, of a bald mountain with, with you know, a, a big set of headphones on. Uh, jogging along. So, you know, situational awareness, they always talk about that in the military um, and, and survival classes, you know, knowing what's going around. If you're getting into a lightning storm and you're up there, man, you probably didn't, didn't have your head up. You probably had your headphones on. You probably weren't paying attention. So again, like preparing for the road trip, just look up every once in a while, make sure the sky's clear. If there's some dark clouds coming in and you've got service, check your phone, see what it's saying don't put yourself in that situation. That's the best advice. If you're in it, yeah. get down as fast as you can. Yeah. And don't feel like you need to do that last 20 minutes of the trail just to get to the, the cool thing at the end of it. If it's, if it's going to be bad, it's going to be bad. Live to fight another day. You know, there's, there's <laughs> yeah. a lot of mountain climbers out there that, uh, you know, have, have been hundreds of yards from the peak of Everest and turned around and they've lived to tell about it. And there's, there's plenty of movies out there of stories of guys who, didn't heed that warning and went for it and it cost them their life. It's just, it's just not worth it. In my opinion. Heat is a, is a big topic right now. There are some record breaking heat waves happening. Heat exhaustion is probably one of those things. that's a, uh, that you really, really should be preparing for. If you know the heat's coming, you'd be drinking lots of water and that sort of stuff. But what happens if you feel some symptoms of heat exhaustion coming on? A cool, you know, I have a big dog that travels with me everywhere and I, I keep a cooler of water and ice anytime I go anywhere long distances. Hydration is, is critical and not just water, but electrolytes. You know, the electrolytes are what help your body process the water and move it around. It's, it's why, um, you know, it, it, that's why Gatorade is so popular. It, it actually aids in, in rehydrating yourself. Straight up heat, I mean, you, you got to cool down, right? So, uh, Places where blood is, is close, close to the skin, uh, your crotch, your armpits. You know, when I was growing up and, um, and playing hockey, we'd, we'd come in and stick our feet in our dad's armpits because that was the warmest spot on the body, right? So using those as a reverse and to cool yourself down is, is really useful, uh, whether it's ice or cold water or a cold water bottle. 
you know, maybe just hold them under your armpits in your crotch, or if you have ice, you know, getting that on your body that can drop the temp, but hydration and dropping temperature is really critical. Obviously shade helps. Uh, you find, you find wind and a breeze, uh, you know, you can feel what feels good, what's helping you get better, but that's one of those things that can creep up on you and heat stroke or heat exhaustion is, is very real. So, you know, the other thing is simple. If you're an RV or in a car, make sure you've always got a full tank of gas, right? Even if you get stuck, being able to start your engine, turn the AC on and cool down, even if it's intermittently, just kind of letting it kind of roller coaster through is way better than spiking. So, um, you know, in any journey where you're not sure what's going to happen or there's extreme weather, whether it's heat or cold, man, I don't let my gas can get below or my gas tank get below half because those are, that's hours and hours and hours of, of heat or AC that you can run. It's, it really helps. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and shift into some of the general preparedness stuff that you might think about carrying with you at all times or on your person, even when you're out hiking, what, what type of products can we use to help us make sure that we've got those electrolytes with us, that we've, we've got, we've got ways to cool ourselves off and, and, uh, we can deal with the emergency injuries and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's where my company specializes. Um, our first product we, we named the 72 and that's because 95% of all survival situations are resolved in 72 hours, but what you do in those 72 hours can be life or death. And usually that's up to you. So, um, you know, that's kind of how we, how we think about things as being self-sufficient. Um, you know, people ask a lot of times, well, what about an earthquake kit? What about a tornado kit? What about, you know, what I tell people is you're thinking about it wrong. The, the human body needs the same basic things to survive no matter what. You need temperature control, right? You need hydration. Uh, you need some calories, but, but your body stores a lot of calories. So that's very, that's a very low need a lot of times. Um, the ability to signal for help, ability to, to administer first aid if you have an injury. Um, you know, it, it, it doesn't take much and every environment's different, right? So if it's super cold, you may add blankets or a jacket, but super hot, you may add more water or more ways to cool down. But I, you know, I carry one of our products, a 72 Pro. It's actually, it's actually right there in my back seat. Um, that's got everything I need for just about anything. When it's, when it's winter, I've got, I've got winter stuff in here. I carry snowshoes boots, gloves, goggles, in case I have to cover some ground. In the summer, I've got four or five water bottles. I've got two on the floor right here that are full. Um, you know, it's, it, there's nothing magic. It's just kind of kind of thinking ahead. And if you think about it that way, um, it kind of makes it simple. So again, that's what we recommend. And, and you know, I'm not trying to plug my company too hard here, but we have tons and tons of information on our website if you really want to go deep on this, on how to build your own kit or how to think about you know, a wildfire or how to think about an avalanche or a hurricane or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, what are, what are some of the, what are some of the items that would be in a kit like the 72 pro? Sure. So, um, what we do with our kits is it's not only high quality gear, but we build, it's a dry bag and inside we have what we call the insert and the insert on one side has screen printed instructions that are all color coordinated with the packages inside the insert. So when you open the insert up, you have a clean place to work. And then the first aid is, is in a bright red pouch and water is in a bright blue pouch. Um, the idea is that a lot of times adrenaline spikes, maybe you have a broken arm, it's dark. You start making a bad situation worse because of panic. But if you have the trusted voice, and what I mean by that is our instructions, and you have the color coordination, you can start following steps and make the situation better. So I think one of the most important things is just making right decisions from the start. 
Um, and then it really depends on the situation. So inside our kit, we've got goggles, we've got gloves, we have hats, we have uh, N99 air masks, uh, food, a water filter, water bottles, first aid kits, flashlight, glow sticks, multi-tool, knife, tent, shovel. Uh, I'm trying to think what else is in there. We have a radio that has AM, FM, and weather band, NOAA weather band, so you can check and see what the forecast is doing at all times. Um, and I know I'm missing some stuff in there. Sunscreen, um, you know, Mylar blankets. Um, so there's, it's a pretty complete thought. You know, we've worked a lot on building a kit that isn't 50 pounds. It's not too heavy. It's something anybody can carry. It's something that's easily accessible and it's something you can use and feel confident in using. Um, you know, I think a lot of people want to carry the, the kitchen sink as they call it. And if you've got a kit that's 50 pounds, now you move slower, you're burning more calories, you're getting sweaty. Sweat means cold at night that's not a good idea. Right. So it's, it's just about having the stuff you need. And, um, you know, a lot of people say, Hey, can I, should I just take your bag camping? And I'm like, well, you can, uh, our idea was to keep you alive, not make you comfortable. Right. Uh, we don't have a really nice tent, a big fluffy sleeping bag in there, but we have stuff that'll get you by. So again, it's a size thing, a weight thing, a price thing. And we try to make something that everybody can use and use and, and afford. And it, it, it's small and it works really well. Well, the important thing is to have it with you, right? I like that you have it right there in your back seat. If you've, you've got your first aid kit under the sink in your RV, but you're out in your car somewhere, that's not going to help you. You're out on a trail somewhere, that's not going to help you very much. Great point. Um, you know, there's a famous quote, the uh, the best camera is the one in your hand, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's the same with survival gear. I, I keep mine in my truck because I'm at work right now. It's right here. When I'm home, it's in the garage. When I'm at the gym, it's with me there. When I go on the trail, you know, we have different size first aid kits. We actually built a product called the triage kit that was designed to combat exactly that. A lot of people, when you're running up mountains or biking up mountains, you want to shed as much weight as you can because it just makes it harder. A lot of times, one of the first things to go when you're doing your normal loops is a first aid kit, right? Uh, that never happens. Um, I was ski touring with my dog a couple months ago on a loop that we do almost every day. And a buddy of mine bumped into him and, and sliced his leg and he was hemorrhaging blood. And I had our triage kit with, which is, it's half first aid and it's half gear repair. But in the gear repair side was zip ties and duct tape. And I was able to use those with a branch and make a tourniquet and get him down. And we saved his life by probably three or four minutes. I mean, we were way out there. So you just never know, right? But to your point, having something with you all the time because you just, you just never know. So we try to build things that are the right form factor, the right weight. They don't encumber your experience, but it gives you coverage. And I think that's really important. Well, your company, uh, I, I love that you do a lot to help people figure this stuff out, even if they don't buy your products. Tell us, tell us where they can find more information about uh, Uncharted Supply. Yeah, thanks. Actually, our number one visited page on our website is how to build a bug out bag, you know, where we literally tell people this is the recipe. Um, you know, my, my goal when starting this company was, was mission-based. I mean, obviously we have to be profitable and keep the lights on and hire people and do all that and pay our bills, but I wasn't going to be like, Hey, buy my kit or good luck. I mean, we, we really try to empower people with information and our customer service people are always there to answer questions. Our website is, is unchartedsupplyco.com. You can find us on Instagram on YouTube, uh, you know, all the same uncharted supply co. So everything's there. We respond pretty fast. We, we're a small team. We've grown to 10 people now uh, this year. Uh, we'll probably be 12, 13 by the end of the year. But you know, up until the beginning of this year, it was like three or four of us and just head down cranking, doing everything we can. So 
still a small business right here in Park City, Utah, and um, and working hard to, you know, to keep people's trust and to make the world a little safer place for everybody. Awesome. Well, Christian Schaff, thank you so much for, for joining us. And we'll link to your website and your social media in the show notes for this episode as well. You bet. Thanks for the time, Jason. Have you booked your next campground yet? These days, an available campsite can be harder to find than Bigfoot. RV Spot Drop is a new website that delivers canceled and unsold campsites right to your inbox. No more wasting hours calling campgrounds. Just tell RV Spot Drop your locations, dates, and amenities, and you'll get an email alert the moment a matching site is available. RV Spot Drop annual membership costs just $10, and RV Miles listeners can get 20% off by visiting rvspotdrop.com and entering code RVMILES, all one word. That's rvspotdrop.com, code RVMILES. Electrical surge protection is one of the cheapest insurance policies you can provide for your RV. And the Power Watchdog Smart Surge Protector, made by Hughes Autoformers, beats the competition with field-replaceable surge modules. With other brands, when the surge protector takes a large surge or a spike, you have to throw it away. The Power Watchdog can be brought back to life with one small, affordable part you can replace yourself. They'll even give you a free surge module in the first two years. And now they have a limited lifetime warranty. Use the coupon code RVMILES, all one word, for 10% off your order at HughesAutoFormers.com. That's code RVMILES for 10% off at HughesAutoFormers.com. Okay, it is time to check the level of our tanks. Abby, what is in your black tank this week? So my black tank goes to a story that was shared in the RV Miles Facebook group. Not the person who shared it. I'm not black tanking Sarah because this was a more you know kind of story. And it goes like this. I'm just going to read what she wrote. A long-term stationary guest at our RV park had to leave for a week. He left his hose hooked up to his black tank flush. Well, the RV washers, remember we talked about those earlier, came to wash his neighbor's rig and accidentally turned the water on to his rig. The guy who was gone with the hose hooked up to his black tank flush. Because of this, flooding occurred inside his RV with black tank water for hours. So if you aren't going to be around, the moral of the story... If you aren't going to be around, it's really important to disconnect, especially from your black tank flush. It sounds like That's this tough. person was leaving for a while, yes. for a few days, and they the last thing they did was flush their black tank because yes. they wanted it to not have stuff in their black tank, and they just didn't disconnect from that. Yeah, which, no mm. shame, because, you know, we all forget things. We're human. It happens. Just the timing is so awful. And I think the reason why I'm black tanking this, A, for many reasons, but I just, what happened with the, the power washers, with the RV washers? Well, I'm Did imagining they, that they, they went to the, they, they wanted to wash their, you're at a campground. Yes. They wash your RV um, on the driver's side. They can use your water hookup. I'm imagining they, on the, on the uh, passenger side, you know, the campsite side, right. they used the neighbor's water hookup because it was more convenient. Okay, so here's my question to that. You're using it. You must have known no one was there because 
you can't just unhook your neighbor's water and start using it. So they must have known that the neighbor was not yeah. there. Why? How did they get it hooked back up? I, I bet they with- unhooked it and and hooked it back up after they were done and turned the water on thinking they were being nice and turning the water back on. See, and this is where I say to myself, so there's just a lot here. This obviously is sort of also a lack of education because I think if you had noticed that the hose was not actually plugged into the correct water spigot into the RV so that they were, instead it's in the black tank flush. Right, because if it's in the black tank flush, it is just flowing straight in. If it was plugged up to the city water connection... The, if if none of the valves are on and none of the faucets are on in the RV, it shouldn't run, even though we do turn our water off every time we yes. leave because the plumbing can be... And we know <laughs> the plumbing can be an issue in an RV. So I think, I guess what it just blows my mind is sort of such a such a detail that when you went to go get the water, it was off. Yeah. So it had to have been off when you took it. So there must have been a reason why the water was off. Return it the way you found it. And it could have been two different people uh, that totally. did it. I mean, I, there's, there's lots so, of flukes that it could be. but There's so much here. I think it's, you know, again, checks and balances. Don't leave anything hooked up water-wise if you're going to be gone for a week. And also, if you happen to... Uh, wash RVs for a living, just really check that water connection if you're borrowing it from the neighbor. What is in your fresh tank? So my fresh tank this week goes to a softball team called Beer. (laughs) B-E-R. It is my brother's softball team here in the Kansas City, Missouri area. And yesterday I got a text that said, we need a female sub. Are you interested in playing softball tonight? And I haven't played baseball or softball in probably 20 years. I've actually never played softball. And I spent about 10 minutes uh, sending a bunch of anxious texts to my brother, uh, you know, can I play in the outfield? Can somebody pinch hint for me? Am I going to get hit in the face with the ball? Like, what's happening here? Do you have a glove? All these things. I finally decided to play because I thought this is, you know, you never get opportunities like this. This is going to be fun. And there was going to be some people on the team I hadn't seen in a really long time. So we went and played. And I just, I have to fresh tank this team because they were so welcoming to me and we had so much fun and I actually hit the ball. <laughs> you got a hit. You got a single. I got a hit. I got a single. And then you got to run the bases. And I got to run the bases. And But really, the team itself, like they were just there to have a really great time and they lived up to the team name and we had a blast. <laughs> and it's a bunch of us like, you know, newly minted 40-year-olds like out there playing softball and it was fantastic and I think what was even better than all that was that the kids watched and their reaction to me when I got that hit and then I I got to run the bases and it was in the very last minutes of the game was like Ethan came up to me Ethan and Henry both ran up to me the Jack was Jack went for a walk because it just wasn't his thing and so he walked around the whole game but they came up to me and they were hugging me. And then Ethan was like, can we keep one of these softballs and will you autograph it for me? <laughs> and I just, 
I kind of like melted inside. I I was so glad that I didn't. And um, they are such a fun group of people. It was so great, and I I was so proud of you. And it <laughs> and you would have scored had the the person who was the last out not overran first. Oh, that didn't count as a point. No, because no, you made it to third, oh, and then I... and then you you went home, and you would you were safe at home. <laughs> But for yeah. some reason, the person that hit the ball the final out of the game overran first and got tagged out. Yeah, we were so excited because, you know, I, they just play for fun and, you know, they don't have a, a winning record or anything. I mean, I think they're all winners, but uh, <laughs> they were so we were having such a good time. And we had just like sort of these couple of innings where we were really we were really close to winning. And well, I, we got so excited with that last at bat because it was a real opportunity. And I felt super stressed because I think I let off. And I thought, oh my gosh, I can't yeah, let these, I can't let these people down. Yeah, and when you let you, off, you, <laughs> you're behind. And you have to uh-huh. go up, and you're already you're already down one because I guess in softball you already get automatically get one strike and one ball before it, the, in the first this type pitch. of softball. Oh, okay, because it's only okay because it's only forty five minutes long. Yeah. So I think it's trying to move the game. So I felt really stressed because I'd already striked out twice, <laughs> and I just wanted to do good for these fine folks. So anyway, that's my fresh well, tank. I, it it was just so goes much fun. to show you too that that you can do these types of things living full time on the road. Oh, I mean, for sure. Uh, like we talked about before, our kids are in summer camp. You can do that kind of stuff living full time in an RV. It doesn't change that sort of stuff. No, and you know what? It's made easier, obviously, because we are visiting family and you know, we know this area and we have a, a connection to the community here. So we get offers like that. But uh, I am moving a whole lot easier than I thought I would be moving today. I did have to wake up at like three o'clock in the morning and wrap up my shin because I just was, that was hurting so bad. Uh, but uh, you know, I was. I wish I could play again. Like I had so much fun. I wish that we were going to be here for me to participate for another week if they needed me. All right, Jay, what is in your black tank this week? Oh, okay. So look, <laughs> I, people have been coming to us, uh, and and in general in the RV sphere, talking about this upcoming glut of used RVs. Oh, people are since, very concerned since last summer. That there would be lots of used RVs on the market. First, it was going to be in January. Then it was going to be as soon as the vaccination uh, rolled out. Now it's after this summer. And in and look, I I know the RV lifestyle podcast. This was their recent episode. They talked about this, and I I don't want to sound like I'm I'm calling them out on this. No, nope. I'm, I'm not not at all. Um, no, they're not the first to have this yeah, we, idea. We're, we 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 enjoy them, and and this is not this is not a competition thing, but. There is a, a need sometimes for some of us to use our, uh, our our gut feelings and our anecdotal evidence that we hear to uh, to make decisions. And uh, you know, I don't care if if you think there's going to be a lot of used RVs on the market this fall, that that's fine. But if, if people are making financial decisions based on that, I want you to be very careful because. Um, uh, you know, I like to go off of evidence. I like to go off of statistics. And uh, I talked about this last October in a video that I did that I, I did not think this was coming anytime soon, that some sort of mass amount of used RVs are going to hit dealership lots. And it has not happened. The vaccination has rolled out. People are traveling more than ever. And the dealer lots have 
less used RVs than they have new RVs right now. The used RV prices are are more out of line with the norm than new RV prices, which is making the problem even worse because there has never been, minus the fact that it's hard to find the RV you want, there has never been a better time to upgrade an RV because even though prices of new RVs are higher, they're not as much higher as used RVs. So if you have a used RV and can sell it, you can make more money off of it than ever before. And you can put that money into a new RV. So lots of people are doing that. So every time, even if they're not even going into a new RV, maybe they're going into another used one. There, there might be more people selling used RVs because they bought them for COVID and they don't want them anymore. Mm -hmm. That might happen. That doesn't mean that people aren't still buying them up like crazy. Yeah. Nine million households plan to buy an RV in the next five years. RVers are upgrading. They generally upgrade every three to five years. They're upgrading faster than ever. They're generally upgrading at about two to three year mark right now. And before a glut of used RVs hits dealership lots and hits the websites like RV Trader, they have to get back to normal levels of used RVs first. And we are nowhere near that happening. There are slight increases in, in used RVs hitting lots. And I've, I've been following RVTrader.com, which is the biggest uh, resale website out there. And they, you can see, if you go to their used RV listings, you can see how many there are today. That number has been gradually, slightly going up. Nothing that is going to bottom out prices of used RVs anytime soon because of some massive amount of used RVs available. We're talking years, I believe, before that happens. Well, and you have to also imagine that because we are these people I'm about to talk about. For those people who are listing on RVTrader.com, do not assume that they are just getting out of the lifestyle. Right. Some of them are upgrading. Well, that's, Some of them it, are getting it, exactly. a new rig. So again, it's just because you start to see an uptick in what's being sold on RVTrader.com doesn't necessarily mean that every single one of those RVs is someone going, nope, I'm done. I've had it. You know, the, COVID over. The don't argument need tends to be that all of these people that bought RVs hate it, and they yeah, want to sell them off. And, and not only do I do I have a hard time accepting that immediately. I have seen many a survey that says the exact opposite. Well, that ninety five percent of them plan to stay in their RVs and they enjoy it and they want to keep them. And then you have to add on the you the 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 um. The rental market on top of this, which is huge. Can I just point out, though, that for us to spin that kind of narrative, how bad is that for business? I, I know. That's not good for RV Miles. <laughs> I mean, and for all of us that are talking about it and spinning that narrative, do we not realize that when we say this is awful, we're basically saying what we do for a living is awful? I mean, that's that's so weird to me that we want to paint this as so many people are going to dislike RV lifestyle, RV camping. And yet all of us have built our business 
around this lifestyle. That's yeah. a very strange, that's a very strange narrative. I'm not saying you should, you know, fake it till you make it. I mean, sense it's of about being honest. For us, it's just our, our, what, our, what our honest opinion is. I mean, yeah, there are challenges out there that make some of this difficult from time to time. There's challenges in all kinds of travel, uh-huh. road travel, train travel, airline travel, international travel. I mean, there's challenges in all kinds of travel. It's just how how much the travel weighs against how much you love that particular type of traveling. And I, you know, I think it's just a very strange for, for so many of us to continue such a negative view of what's happening in this industry, because ultimately it's great for all of us. And it's showing people something that we love that we obviously started a business to celebrate because we love it so much. And I assume that everybody else out there in the sphere did as well. Well, we know it's strange. We know for, uh, we, we can pretty much guess that the used RV market will not return to any sense of normalcy until the new RV market Mm -hmm. does. If RV dealers cannot put new units on their lots, then the used market will not come back to normal. And we know the manufacturers, the big manufacturers have all said that we don't anticipate getting our dealerships back to any normal levels of inventory anytime soon, not within not before the end of the year, perhaps not within an entire calendar year. Well, what did Winnebago just say? You were listening in on their uh, recent meeting. Winnebago is saying the- after the end of the year, maybe they'll be able to start really, not not that new RVs aren't going to dealership lots, but like really resupplying them in a meaningful way will not happen until after the end of the year. Thor Industries, which is the biggest manufacturer of RVs, is saying uh, end of the year, perhaps beyond and 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 that's that's big folks that's big and that's just starting to return and i know you're all seeing rvs on dealership lots and you see 50 out there for sale uh but really actually only like 10 of those are for sale and that dealership normally would have 500 units on their lot don't add us that you drove past (laughs) something unless you actually stopped and talked to them don't don't tell us you drove past a lot and you saw all those rvs stop and ask them Stop and ask if, them, if and you, then add us. And if you have shopped, you know. If, I mean, the the folks that have shopped know it is hard right now to find an RV that will continue without a doubt. All right. Well, there's your PSA on that one for this episode of RV Miles. Why don't you tell us though what is in your fresh tank? I have been saying for a very long time that <laughs> you've been I, saying a lot for a long I time. I do Jason. not want. I, <laughs> I instead of having an outdoor kitchen in my trailer i want an outdoor kitchen on my truck so that we can go to when we're at a campsite we drive into a national park or whatever we then use that at a picnic area and that sort of stuff then we have it back at the campsite well rivian's new electric truck uh has solved this problem in a really awesome way (laughs) they have a slide out it looks almost like an RV slide out. They have a slide out camp kitchen that is stored under. Basically, it uses the space behind and below 
the rear seats of the truck. So it's not taking up bed space and it's okay. not really taking up cab space. It's kind of taking an sort of almost unused space that is low in and below and behind the seats. And you slide that whole giant kitchen out and it is beautiful, folks. I am telling you, it's beautiful. And it it's obviously it's electric truck so it's got an induction cooktop and oh you can my. cook bay off of the battery power and all that and i think you know this is where electric truck camping is going it's something like this pulling a teardrop trailer that doesn't have a kitchen it's that type of thing that electric truck camping is going to be uh, really good for but I want that on every truck. <laughs> I want that. You have been trying to figure out how to build a truck kitchen for years. When this came out, like four people shared me this, share with yeah. me this video. <laughs> yeah, it's not a secret that you really want that truck kitchen. All right, it's time to close with our RV tip of the week from the community. This is from Melina at RV Canucks. How to quickly check the level of your propane tanks. Yes, yeah, so this is a really great tip over on their Instagram page, which we're going to link to in the show notes, rvmiles.com slash 202. But she does a really great job of explaining two ways that you can do this. One is with using hot water and a kettle, and you're going to pour that directly over the tanks. And then you're going to get by the temperature an idea of how much propane is still in there. The cold area will be yes. where your propane is. Yes. I'm trying not to give away too much because okay. I want to okay. go over and watch her video because I think you need to see it to really kind of understand okay. it and go over there and support them and, and support the little reel that she put together. Uh, the other one is something you would do first time in the morning. And that's if you come out and, you know, everything is covered in dew. So, how the dew lays on the propane tank is also going to be an indicator of how much propane is left. I thought that this was such an excellent tip because how many times have we said, especially when we were dealing with trying to find propane and really wanting to conserve, having to kind of go out there and shake it yeah, <laughs> and just take a like a guess, oh, that feels... That feels about halfway that, you know. And, and there are systems out there that will show you your propane tank levels, but they cost a decent amount of money. Usually they weigh the tank um, on a regular basis. And that for people who aren't camping extensively, that is not worth it to spend that kind of money on no. that. Like like Abby said, we pick them up and shake them, but that requires undoing it and all, yes. and all that. But this is I what I loved about the second tip of the two is that it's uh, working with nature. Sure. To just <laughs> let nature kind of tell you how to do that. So we will have this over at rvmiles.com slash 203. And we would like to thank Melina for allowing us to share this here on the podcast. That's it for this episode of the RV Miles podcast. Yes, it is. And hey, if you are enjoying RV Miles, we are going to do that call out that we do every single week. Will you please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review? We cannot tell you how much that five-star review means to us and how it is helping to put RV Miles in front of a whole new generation of listeners. If you would like to talk to Jason and I about some of the topics covered today, please come over to the RV Miles Facebook group. We are in there every single day. That is the very best way to connect with us. 
If you have questions or you would like to suggest a future topic, please give us an email at editor at rvmiles.com and we will do our very best to address that. Don't forget that you can shop on Amazon if you'd like to support RV Miles. Just go to amazon.com slash shop slash RV Miles before you head off into the Amazon world to do your shopping. We will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe. Happy travels. Happy summer. And keep logging those RV Miles. Bye, everybody. Bye.